This is the day the Lord has made. Thank you for joining us in worship today. We praise God for you and however you're listening. We pray the message you receive will allow you to strengthen your relationship in Christ and build his kingdom as we seek God, shape lives, and serve the world.
pastor had been talking uh, for the past few weeks of, you know, just the things that God has been doing and, and the things that we've been seeing that God has been doing and the things that he's been doing in our lives. And so when we were talking, had a situation to come up with one. I'm just going to be open with y'all. With one of uh, one of the, the the men that worked for me, and I responded rather than thinking. I responded, and so when I responded, I um, later went back and apologized and talked to the individual. But Pastor, he came and, and he was talking to me, and he told me, he says, "Let me tell you something." He says, "You got to remember." not fighting against flesh and blood. He said, you're fighting against spiritual principalities in the heavenly places. He said, there, 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 there may have been a series of things that happened before that actually happened. He said, but you, you have to always be prepared. And when he told me that I had to always be prepared, I was like, okay, pastor. I say, amen. And I went home and I started, I prayed about it. And then Sunday, came back to worship. When I came to worship on Sunday, Pastor was preaching to me from the pulpit. I came up, I said, hey, Pastor, I said, you ain't got to put all my business out in the streets. And he laughed. But he wasn't preaching to me. He was being used by the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit was doing, he was using a situation that I responded wrongly to, to catapult me to where I am today. So when, 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 when the Holy Spirit, that Monday morning, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He says, get up, open up Ephesians chapter 2. So they all know where we're going. I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. So y'all go ahead and open up Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start right around the 11th verse. But he said, he said, open it up. And when I read it this time, I said this time. And the reason why I say this time is because I've read this chapter over and over and over again. But then the Lord was showing me the separation. See, when, when you go to school and you, 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 you learn to preach and things like that, they teach you how to take the text and understand what's going on in their time. And when you understand what's going on in their time, then it'll show you how to apply it in our time. And so, like I said, I had read this text many times. And when I read it, but when I read it this time, it was like, oh my God. It was like I had read this for the first time. My eyes, like, like, like Saul when he was turned to Paul, the scales fell off of my eyes. And then came the understanding of how this text actually applies today. So, Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 11 and read through 16. And it begins. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles, or you first African Baptist church members, 
or those that doesn't, don't have a church, those that have been separated from Christ, that you were in the flesh called the uncircumcision. By what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise. Having no hope without God in the world. But now in promise, having no hope, I'm, excuse me, having no hope without God in the world. But now, I'm sorry, excuse me, I lost my place. Strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now, Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and, the, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your written word. We thank you that your word brings life into every single situation. We thank you that your word transforms us from the inside out. Lord, take your word today and use it in a way, Father God, that we not only be hearers of this word, but we become doers. Allow us, Father God, to take this, this word that you've given and that, that we, we take it and not only share it with the masses, but we also, Father God, take heed to every single thing that you say on today. So, Lord, we ask you to move dirt completely aside and that you, Lord, would have your way, that you would speak to your people, dear God, who are called by your name, and that this would be a transformative word, a, a, a word that, Father God, that, that, that comes back over and over and over again. So bless us, Lord, as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, the book of Ephesians was actually written by the Apostle Paul to the church of Ephesus around 60 or 61 AD. By some scholars, it is called the internal divisions because the book parallels Acts, the council or the council at Jerusalem and the epistle to the church at Colossae. The apostle Paul wrote this book while he was in prison. So can you imagine what Paul was going through at this time? He was in prison away from everybody, but he was still having to minister to the churches. So today, I would like to parallel the troubles concerning the church at Ephesus then to our own internal battles today, whether to follow Christ or to lean on our own understanding. See, for myself and many others, I would assume, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm not trying to put y'all in the same category as me, but I would assume that the internal battle is usually, usually which is the, the wars to fight, Christians, we fight an internal battle between our old worldly self and our new self in Christ. The enemy of our soul knows how to appeal to our sinful nature. Ultimately, we do not fight against other people, 
or earthly circumstances. Rather, we wage a battle against evil spiritual forces. Now, we're, we're wired to defend our territory, to self-protect. Our minds make quick judgments. Pride is one of the main forces. When challenged, we fill in the blanks quickly and put our stake in the ground and become trapped in the toxic cycle that keeps us from progressing. Many times, we fight because we feel pushed aside or neglected. But the craziest part is that when we become a new creation by accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we should no longer feel neglected or alone. But even as believers, we may struggle or succumb to the devices of our own flesh. Even in that fall, we know that there is a Savior, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that has reconciled us to the Father through his shedding of blood. So as Donnie McClurkin says, we fall down, but we get up. Which brings me to the message last week. Pastor spoke in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11, where the uh, knowing the, the fear of the Lord actually persuades us to bring others to Christ. So when we understand that, that that persuasive nature of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ within, within us, we know that we can't act like we normally would act. We can't act like we acted before we were saved. We can't act like our enemies act against us. Because when we act in that manner, we're telling them that, hey, look, it's the same thing going on this side as it is going on your side. So when we, when we act in that manner, what actually happens is, is that we're, 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 the notion in which they have that in order to prove their point, there needs to be a fight. We're actually proving that notion to be right. But then when we get back to the text today, it lets us know that um, in verse 11, it says, therefore, that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. Now, he, he was making the distinction because here there's a separation. The circumcised would be the Jews. The uncircumcised would be the Gentiles or those that were not followers of, of well, they weren't followers of the way, but the, the Jews, the, the, the Orthodox Jews, the Pharisees, and, and all of those that followed the law. And so when, 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 when he says this, he says, but remember that you were at that time separated because you were a Gentile, meaning that you didn't have a right to, to come into the places in which the Jews were able to come. So because you were a Gentile, you didn't have the opportunity to express your love for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And then he says you was alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant. Now, remember, when we're dealing with, with the world of church members, that may seem unsaved. We were outsiders at one time, or one time or another, not knowing that what it meant to have security in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So when we were actually 
unsaved. Because I know everybody in here is saved, right? Right? I know everybody's saved. I mean, y'all looking at me like, like all y'all saved. So if everybody in here is saved, so I'm just going to preach to the choir today. So when we were unsaved, now, well, let, let, let's not say we. I'm not going to bring y'all into this yet. But when I was unsaved, one of my favorite things to do, Deacon Hargrave, was to go to the club. But when I went to the club, we played a game. That game was called the knockout game. I, I, I know, I know. I know y'all can't see that in me. Now I, I, I understand. I understand. But I'm, I'm going to let y'all in a little bit. But we played a game that was called the knockout game. And when we played this game, that means that whoever was it that night had to go in the club and start the fight. So, being the foolish man that I was, I thought that I, that was cool. But now, being saved and understanding that, no, that's not cool. Because now, I'm not just the, uncirc I'm, I'm not the uncircumcised, I am the circumcised. I understand that I am in the household of faith. That I am in the same covenant as the Lord. So now, everything that I do should reflect him. And if now, now if, if it doesn't reflect him, then that's okay too. Because the thing about him is that he knows exactly who he created. And a lot of times we get ourselves in trouble because of the simple fact that we hold on to the grudge. Now, Minister Bozier was all up in the message today. When we was in Sunday school, he was talking about it. He says, now, how long do you hold a grudge? Or how do we not hold a grudge against other people as believers? Well, the way that you do that is that you understand that, like I said earlier, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're fighting against spiritual principalities. Everybody has a day that they're poked and they're prided and they, and they get frustrated. But when they get frustrated, are we going to keep the frustration going? Or are we going to come back to that individual and say, you know what, my fault. Even when, I'm, even when I know that I wasn't wrong. Because the whole goal of, of, of understanding a life in Christ is to help to move everybody else forward. So if I have to eat crow sometimes because of the simple fact that I want somebody else to grow, then I'll do that. But that has to be our lifestyle. Because... We're going, we, let's move to the, to, the, to the next part of this because this is the part that, that really got me and, and, and that's verse 13. Now verse 13 says, but now in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought by the blood of Christ. For he himself, our peace, who has made us both one, has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Now, this dividing wall of hostility that he speaks of was an actual thing in the temple. Because guess what? Jews and Gentiles couldn't be associated when it came to the things of God. Because they were uncircumcised. They were unsaved, as the Jews would say. And so because this wall of hostility was up where the Gentiles could not pass this curtain, 
and they had to stay on this side, Paul wanted to let them know, no, you've got to take this wall down. Because of Christ Jesus, the blood that Christ Jesus shed, there is no wall of hostility anymore. Because the Jews and the Gentiles alike can come before Christ. And so we have to understand that as believers, that when we're dealing with unsaved folks, that they should have an opportunity to come to Christ as well. And we should be the one to lead them there. So if, if, if we have that understanding that this wall of hostility or this separation, because that's the most critical piece. Because we come to church many times. We'll separate ourselves from the rest of the world. We'll walk in those doors and we will enjoy ourselves with everyone else. But then Monday morning, when it's time to make our way to our jobs, because we work in a secular market, we've decided that that's not relevant for us. We've decided that, okay, I'm going to act this way while I'm at work so they don't be coming over here asking me no Jesus questions. And then I'm going to act this way when I come to church because I'm a holy roller. Now, me and Minister Bozier was talking about this exact same thing because of the simple fact that we want to be seen in a light. There's a certain light that believers want to be seen in. And because believers want to be seen in that light, then guess what happens? They act away. But then when they get found out for who they truly are, they can't rebound from that. So then it becomes a slippery slope for them. They continue to fall back and fall back and fall back. But we as believers got to understand that even if they fall back, we've got to be the one to go get them too. Because judgment it's only for God. Now the Bible does tells us, does tell us that we are to judge the believer, meaning that if you see your brother in wrong, then you tell him, hey bro, you know, you might not want to do that. Or you you give him scripture as to what he's doing wrong. Because sometimes people just don't know. Because every time a person gets saved, the word of God doesn't necessarily become their, their best friend. Or the tool that they use. Because in, in, in the army, we had a manual for everything. We had an AR to tell us how to dress. We had an FM to tell us how to operate in the field. We had a, 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 a technical manual to tell us how to work the equipment that we had. So when you have that, when you have that understanding, and, and, and then we know that everything we should research on our own. So the thing is, but every Christian doesn't know that, that they have a technical manual. Now, mine is on the tablet, but they have a technical manual to teach them how they take every single step in life, how to deal with every single situation that they may that may come upon them. We have a manual, but the key is to open that manual, to blow the dust off of it. Because the, the only part, the only reason for being circumcised or to be a follower of the way is because of the simple fact that you want to be like the one that you're following. That's why kids join gangs. 
Why do you think social media calls it followers? Everybody wants a lot of followers. But guess what, though? Everybody's not equipped to lead followers. And when you're not equipped to lead followers, guess what happens? You both fall in the ditch. That's what the Bible said. I, I, I don't know. That, that, that's what the Bible said. And I believe every word that this thing says. And then, we, we, we're moving, we're moving, I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm, I'm finna finish. Now, but verse 15 and 16, it says, by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Jesus. 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 He killed all of the hostility. Meaning, we shouldn't harbor anything in our hearts. And I know it's hard. It's hard because just like the battle goes, whereas it was the circumcised versus the uncircumcised, well, it's also Derek versus D.C. Now, see, the thing about D.C., D.C. was the name that I went by when I was out there playing the knockout game. But Derek is the new creation. And see, and, and, and all of that stuff has passed away. But sometimes, Derek's pride gets in the way. And when Derek's pride gets in the way, D.C. steps to the forefront. And when D.C. steps to the forefront, it takes Derek a few minutes to, to say, hey, wait a minute. That's not your position. Get, get back. And when he, when he finally moves D.C. to the back, then Derek can step forward and do what God has called him to do. And that's what we have to understand as believers. That wall of hostility has been torn down. Every bit of hostility that's in your heart that you carry, you carry it because you want to carry it. You don't carry it because God has put it there. God removed the stain, every stain from your body. There is absolutely nothing nothing from your past that should hinder you because we are in Christ. We are a new creation. The old has passed away and behold everything is new. So when we believe from that perspective guess what happens? Even when DC steps up Derek quickly gathers and says wait a minute that's not what God called me to. Or Derek sees Deacon Rouse and Deacon Rouse see the situation and say, hey man, that wasn't right. Then Derek can say, you know what, Deacon, you're right. That wasn't right. And I'm sorry. I apologize to you and I'm going back to apologize to that individual too. But that's the blessing of being in Christ. Guess what's the first thing that happens? You no longer carry all of that stress in your body. 
The thing is, we don't understand that our joints ache because of the simple fact that we're carrying undue stress. You alleviate that stress, your bowels will function, and everything will come out, and you will be a new creation. You will have energy that you've never had before. But that's what we've got to understand. If we don't hear that as believers, then what's going to happen is, is that we're going to keep on carrying hostility. We're going to keep on allowing people to come up against us. Because my biggest problem now is them drivers. I wish I could just drive for everybody. <laughs> because that's where I carry most of my frustration. And that's when, that's when I fall off. I get out of that car, and there's somebody coming with something else, and there's somebody coming with something. And then, wait a minute, stop. But, but that's, that's something that I know, that's an area I know that I have to give to God. And that's why I always pray the prayer, asking God to circumcise my heart. Because if he cuts off the calluses, they don't come back. Speaking of calluses, do we know how calluses are created? Friction. A constant rubbing. Because guess what the skin does? Or the brain tells the skin to create a scab. And then when the skin creates that scab, we rub again. And then the skin creates another scab. So it's building up to keep that pain from going to your brain. So do you understand, Jordan? Do you understand that we have calluses in our hearts? from all of the stuff that we've been through in our life. And we don't even know that because of mental illness. We think that mental illness is for people that are, are handicapped. No, we all deal with some sort of mental illness because the most traumatized people in America are African Americans or black people. And we've normalized trauma. We have literally normalized our cousin Pookie getting killed, so now we're going to make t-shirts and, 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 and we're going to carry Pookie all down the street and we're going to dance and we're going to smoke and we're going to drink and we're going to do all of these things for little Pookie and pour out some liquor for little Pookie. That ain't normal. And we ain't even getting no counseling for it. We have to become the hospital, folks. If we don't become the hospital, because let me tell you something. We have the manual that teaches us how to deal with our mental health issues. That teaches us when to get help because we can no longer deal with our mental health issues. And then we have to be able to move into a place of understanding that we do have problems. That we have to know the difference between Derek. And it's crazy because even when my friends call me today and they, 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 they know me by that name and they, they say that name, I say, no, man, my name is Derek. I correct them. And the only reason I correct them not being disrespectful is because I'm a new creation. All right, all right. I shared with Sister Kane this week that one of my boys had came to visit and we were having a good time laughing and talking and everything. And his nephew said, man, you're still the same. And I didn't think about it at first. But boy, when, when, a few hours later, that thing hit me. No, I ain't. I called him and told him, no, I ain't the same. 
No, I ain't that person that you used to know. And the reason why I'm not that person that because you used to know is because everything that I do should be pulling you closer to Jesus Christ. Amen. And if it's not pulling you closer to Jesus Christ, then I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. All right. And that's what we as a congregation has to understand is that pastors on this reconciliation, we have to be reconciled to Christ. Amen. And we have to live a life that shows that we're reconciled to Christ. Because that's why he says, he says, God in one body through the cross, through what Jesus did at the cross, thereby killing hostility. Once God can kill the hostility in us, we won't, we won't even be able to come into church. Because everybody that we come in contact with will have the mindset that I need to have what he has. I need what you got, Howard. I need that. I need what you got, Deacon Rouse. I need what you got, Deacon Wright, Deacon Roberson, Deacon Johnson, Deacon Saucy. I need what you got. And because I need what you got, you have to be available to give it to me. And if we don't understand that, that we have to be available to give the uncircumcised or the unbeliever what they need, we've got another thing coming. Because we don't want to be that one where the Lord says, depart from me. You worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Because we shouldn't have to say that. We shouldn't have to say, Lord, you remember? No. Uh -uh. He's going to be like, hey, Derek, come on up here, my good and faithful servant. And if we don't start striving for that, we're in trouble. And I don't know if y'all been noticing, but I've been noticing on social media and TV, every other, every other commercial is about LGBT. Every other commercial is about People with HIV or AIDS taking a pill so that they can still have intercourse with other people. And this is every other commercial, folks. And it's crazy because I just started noticing this about a month ago because I wasn't watching commercials. I DVR my shows and I fast forward through all the commercials. But I, the Holy Spirit told me, no, watch. Because those commercials tell you what mindset the world is in. And if the world is sick, you work at the hospital. How can you help those that are sick? Because the same people that I ran the streets with, that I was tearing other people down with, are the same people that don't want to go to church. But every time they're in a situation, every time their family need prayer, I'm the first one they call. And every time they passing through, hey, bro, can we stop and get a bite? Yep, you know you're going to get this word, don't you? Yeah, yeah, but because they know, they see where God brought me from. And the crazy part is, is that I haven't even fathomed where God has taken me to. 
we begin to understand that there's no limitation. Every single thing that we can imagine or think according to the power that works in him. Not in Derek. Because see, that, that's the thing. We're, 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 we're captured by the society that we've grown up in. We've only seen this much. So therefore, our imagination can't go that, can't go beyond that. But if our imagination could go, and, and, and this is the thing, and, and I'm, I'm done, I'm done. Let me share this with you. Years ago, I was in my prayer time, and I read how Paul had been taken up into the third heaven. And for the next month and a half, two months, I prayed. Lord, I want to see what Paul saw. I want to see what Paul saw. Show me what Paul saw. And I laid down one day. And when I laid down, it was a coma-like state. Because someone had been trying to wake me for five minutes. They said I was breathing, but I didn't hear anything. But as I laid down and I opened my uh, well, seat through my mind's eye, and as I was going up, the heavens opened up. And when the heavens opened up, I said, oh, no, Lord, I ain't ready for that yet. And right when I got ready to break the cloud, that's when the Lord woke me up. Because in my mind, thought that that was, was what I was ready for. But when God showed it to me, I wasn't ready for it. But now, I'm ready for it. And, and, when, and when the Lord is able to show me that, then that's when I know that my heart is right. And that's how we break down those walls of hostility. We get in our hearts the love of Christ because what he did at the cross was no small feat. And I think that we have to understand, man, the measure or the magnitude of what actually happened at the cross. I mean, beat. The, the Psalms tells us, Psalms 24 tells us that, that not 24, Slip my mind, but the Psalms and, and Isaiah tells us that he was beaten so badly that it was unrecognizable. And not only that, though, but he took this for you, 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 everyone that has breathed breath on this earth. So imagine if we stop looking at people as he's unsaved, we expect that out of him. Imagine if we went and asked that brother or that sister, hey, what's going on? Do you need somebody to talk to? What if when we left this church, we didn't just go home to eat dinner and to comfort our home? What if we, we walked through the square 
and we sat down at a restaurant down there, but we took someone that, that didn't come to church with us. Because when you feed people, you have the opportunity to tell them whatever you want to tell them. Because they ain't going to get up and leave their food. So, but what if, what if we could do all of those things? What if we did those things? Because if we did do those things, I promise you the world would be a, a better place. And that wall of hostility, I carried that wall of hostility with me ever since I was five years old. When my older cousins told me, nah, you from, you our blood. You got to be the toughest. You got to be the baddest. And anybody that they felt they need straightening out, that's who they sent me for. And I carried that wall all the way until last week. And when God opened my eyes, it let me know, man, I don't have to fight anymore. The Lord already told me a long time ago, I'm going to fight all your battles, son. No, nah, Lord, let me, let me get one or two. Let me, let me see if I still got it. No. I don't need to see if I still got it. I need to have the understanding that he has taken care of everything. And, that, and then that everyone that I come in contact with should be seeing me. So show me you, Lord. Show me your glory. Show me how to deal with your people. Because if you show me, then I'll never forget it. And it, it, it's, it's a blessing to be reconciled to God. It's a blessing to truly understand that the Lord loves me more than I even love myself. And when I understand that, that he loves me more than I love myself, then I know that there's there's no there's no there's no problem too big. There's no problem too small. That no what no matter what the problem may be, he is already taking care of it. And I know I was talking to the church members today, or the church, the church that is Jesus. But if there's anyone, anyone that have decided on today that you no longer want to be behind the wall of hostility, this is your time. This is your time to, to say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender everything to you. I'm nothing without you. And for us that have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, let's say today, today marks the first day of the rest of my life. And every morning that God gives you to open your eyes, thank God and say, today is the first day of the rest of my life. For all of you online, as I Read the sinner's prayer. And if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, because the good thing about even the online ministry is that it allows us to operate or affords us the opportunity to go back 
messages over and over and over again. And it allows people that are just browsing. Because a lot of people look for the historic First African Baptist Church because of our history. 247 years. So they look for it, and then they come upon these messages. So it's my prayer today that those individuals that come upon a message will accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Because it was the best decision that I ever made. So, if you're online and you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, read this, uh, repeat after me. Father God, I have sinned. I have not been all that I should be. I'm sorry for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I believe in my heart. Jesus died for my sins and rose from the grave. I'm willing to trust you all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, come into my life and help me to be what you want me to be. I will tell others that you saved me. Thank you for saving me right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. And if there's any here that has decided to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior on today, come on down and give us your hand and give God your heart. Pastor say we can't hug, so we're not going to hug you today. But we'll, we'll, give you, we'll give you a handshake. If there's any, the doors of the church are open.
Amen, amen, amen. All right, I pray that something I said catapults you into this week in a way that you, you have not in a very long time. I pray that something I said on today gives you a confidence that you've never had before and that gives you the ability to go forth and tell others that reconciliation to Christ is necessary. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Father, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you've given unto your people, dear God. We ask you, Lord, that as you continue to work in, on, and through us, that we would be, Father God, agents of change. That the wall of hostility in our lives will be removed, as well as the wall of hostility within the church, as well as the wall of hostility in, in every aspect. So, Lord, we thank you for what you did at the cross. We thank you for your saving grace. We honor you, we trust you, and we praise you. And may the grace of God, the love of Jesus, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide, hence, now, and forevermore. God bless you, and amen. Remain connected to us as we build God's kingdom together. Join us on Facebook at the historic First African Baptist Church and our website, firstafricanbc.com. You may also contribute through an app called Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y. May God bless you and thank you for worshiping with us.